Hello, welcome to Animoa, the animated movie watch. I'm Beffers. And I'm Birdie. Today's episode is An American Tale, Fievel Goes West. We pick our movies from the list of animated feature films on Wikipedia. Any movie with a theatrical release that has a critic's rating of over 50% on Rotten Tomatoes will get its own episode here on Animoa. And we are watching these films in chronological order. I, I guess, even though this came out the exact same day as the last episode that we did. As Beauty and the Beast. Yep. Both on, uh, what was it, November 22nd? Yep. Yep, November 22nd, 1991. <laughs> uh, yeah, although I, I know there were previous times when movies came out the same same day, and it was like, I think it was Bluth versus Disney. Was it Bluth versus Disney each time? Uh, yeah, so far I think so. <laughs> yeah, except this time Bluth wasn't involved, yeah. and we see what happened this time. <laughs> Did not outperform Beauty and the Beast. Big no. surprise. No, because wow. it was Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it was Beauty and the fucking Beast. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to all that. So uh, we are recording in separate places. I don't know what you have to drink. Oh, that's right. Um, so I am drinking the very last of my Pedialyte, oh. which is uh, leftover from uh, when I had COVID. Oh. <laughs> um, I am thankfully better now, but... Uh, as you just said, we are recording separately, so I also don't know what you have. And yeah, well, there's a reason why we're recording separately still. <laughs> yeah, um, I have some sparkling water because I am I'm sick. I think it's just a cold, but uh, well, we decided we'll to be safe. And not... <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, the weird thing is whenever I'm not sick, I love plain flat water. But when I am sick, I can't stand it. So interesting. I got, I got the sparklies. Huh. I think I'm the opposite, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Regardless, we have our drinks. I have glasses here. I will clink them because I know at least my mic picks it up. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that looked like it. That looked good. Hmm, <laughs> Pedialyte. <laughs> hey, Pedialyte is Pedialyte is great. I mean, it it does the job. When you're either sick or hungover. <laughs> or or it's the middle of summer in southern Nevada. I mean, this is also, <laughs> this is also a good point. <laughs> but yeah, Fievel Goes West. Yeah. Uh, it It's still an American tale, though. It is. It, it, it still is an American tale, despite the fact that no, no Bluth involvement this time. But still had Spielberg... This was the first film by Amblimation, which was formed by Spielberg, basically, like, for this purpose, because he was just like, he still wanted to do animated stuff, he still wanted to produce it. And only a few films followed this, <laughs> and then Amblimation went under. <laughs> so it didn't go super well, but I mean, are we really that surprised when this is you know, the height of the Disney Renaissance. This was exactly at the same time that all that was happening was when these Amblimation films were competing. So it just didn't work out so well. That said, I can at least say that I grew up watching this movie more than the first film, at least at the age that I was, you know, introduced to this. And uh, at, at least it has, it seems like a, a sort of like a cult following legacy for, the, for a lot of people like our age who 
remember watching this a lot as kids and like I really enjoyed it and then looking back I kind of like I mean it's not good but I enjoyed it as a kid (laughs) see I didn't watch it uh I mean well it was one of those things where I think it was probably it was probably aired on tv like on certain channels or whatever and then it was also if it was on cable I wouldn't have had access to it exactly and then if you didn't have the VHS of it then you obviously wouldn't have watched it which I know you didn't have like a bunch. No, my my family was very uh, stingy about what movies we bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understandable. This was like one of the quickest releases in terms of from when it was in the theater to when it was released on VHS at the time. Because now, I mean, it's 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 pretty fast when things are in theater to you know home media. Yeah. But at that time, it was just like only a few months, and it's like, whoa, what the hell. And I assume also similarly is when it was on uh, on TV, because I'm pretty sure we didn't have the actual VHS for this. I think it was just yet another thing that we taped off TV wherever. Mm-hmm. But at least I say that, and I'm like, I have memories of watching it at a friend's house too, so I don't know. But I definitely watched it a lot when it was contemporary, like at the age of four and five was like when I was watching this. And uh yeah. Definitely watched it more than the original. So I have a a question. Um, Yeah. So this movie was released during the height of the Disney Renaissance. So Mm -hmm. is there a Bluth Renaissance, even though he wasn't involved in this particular film? Oh, yeah. Well, it predates this film. His Renaissance was before this film came out. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh So Bluth kind of peaked early. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you could say he he peaked with Secret of M and then it never got better, which no. I kind of feel that way. Like, I mean, American Tale is a nice movie, but I think Secret of M is his best and it was his first. So <laughs> it's I, I, I do think he did peak early and his renaissance was in the 80s uh, when when Disney was at its worst. And it's like, wow, look at that. I wonder if there's a correlation. Yeah, <laughs> just maybe. Uh. I can see a lot of uh, Disney influence in this film. Like when when Tanya started singing that m- most beautiful song. What was ah, it called? Dreams Dream to Dream. To dream. Dreams mm-hmm. to Dream. Mm-hmm. I, it made me think of Disney princesses because her voice yeah. was suddenly... It's, it's a lovely little voice. So marvelous. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely voice. It's a beautiful song and it made the villain cry. So that's how <laughs> good it was. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually great to see Disney influencing another movie in a good way, you know. Yeah, no, um, you you had uh, Disney connections uh, where you've got an ex Disney animator who uh, directed was one of the directors of this film, Phil. Uh, I don't know how you say it, Nibelink, Nibelink, but also co-directed with Simon Wells, who is the great grandson of H. G. Wells, yeah. which is just wild. But yeah, no, no, they they. They had some animators, I believe, who had also previously worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because that was that whole Spielberg connection there. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of, he like picked up a bunch of them to form Emblemation. So you've you've got like serious talent working on this movie. And it's it's funny how much it does show in certain places, like for kind of how middling the movie is overall, there's some legit good animation. Uh, one of my yeah. earliest notes was like, this is this is honestly better than it has any right to be animation wise. <laughs> yeah, really. It's it's a sequel and it's 
not Bluth yeah. involved and it's not a Disney film. It's I think a lot of non-Disney companies really took their time getting their land legs, if that's <laughs> the right phrase to use. <laughs> I, I, uh, no, or, but I like it. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> like learning how to ride a bicycle, you have to fall off a bunch before you get it. I like that too. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to describe it. There were definitely some companies that it did take them a little bit of time to to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Amblimation really just didn't get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, which is a but, shame because it's Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Well, the ones that followed, I'm not sure which of them we're going to actually review, but I'm pretty sure maybe one of the two. Uh, we're probably not going to do We're Back, A Dinosaur's Story or A Dinosaur's Tale. I forget how you... There. Anyway, <laughs> I, I watched that when I was little too. I do remember that one. And then there's Balto, which might oh, yeah. have a good enough rating that we might watch it. Um, I'll want to watch it either way. Because <laughs> uh, I remember the animation at least being good, even if the story wasn't fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that seems to be the the issue with the animation films. It's like, oh, the animation's good. What's going on with the story, though? Yeah. <laughs> So um, what what was it that made Bluth not be involved with this movie? I mean, it was it's cited as creative differences, but I think mm. it was kind of just like a financial thing where he wanted more money to make it, like, you know, a budget closer to the first film, and that just wasn't being provided. So he said, nah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think the movie suffered for him not being involved. Uh, yeah. It had some pacing issues. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I know we talked about this back when we did An American Tale. That yes. That movie and this movie was kind of what started our idea for doing mm-hmm. this whole podcast. But I don't remember watching Five Goes West. Like, everything was <laughs> brand new to me. Oh, that's so funny. Because I, I definitely remembered it because I remember being so entertained because it was, like, I was, like, the only one in the room who had grown up watching it whereas everybody else was kind of just like what the hell's happening and we we made the mistake of watching it back to back yeah like yeah. we watched the first movie and the sequel like one right after the other with very little break in between and the tonal shift is fucking wild yeah if you try to watch it that way mm-hmm. and though i knew what to expect a lot of y'all didn't and i remember a lot <laughs> yeah. of the reactions for everyone especially this stuff with Catterwall getting uh grabbed by the lady (laughs) (laughs) you guys were like what the fuck was that (laughs) and i was just like yeah i I was screaming that this movie too (laughs) and you said the word you said the word y'all don't you mean (laughs) y'all y'all oh my god i wrote that down too like oh my god john cleese trying to like just not trying obviously he's having fun with it he's not trying to do a southern accent he's just being ridiculous it's so funny though y'all <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no I, it's funny to me that yeah you don't you don't remember it i mean it's i don't want to say it's not a memorable movie but maybe it isn't if you didn't grow up with it i'm not sure it's just coming at it we're coming at it from very different perspectives yeah all <laughs> i know is when i watched it for this episode i was cracking up so much oh I think good I just I really needed some some of that cartoon slapstick. It, there's a lot of that in this movie. It feels more like um, like Looney Tunes kind of stuff. And I think I made a note somewhere, and I can't find it now. But like between the the animation and the writing and the 
tone and the pacing, everything, it felt more like Tiny Toons. And that's a Spielberg production as well. And uh-huh. also contemporary to this movie. And I remember just like also loving Tiny Toons as a kid too. So I'm wondering yeah. if there's that kind of like little little overlap there. And it actually turns out that the screenwriter for this movie, I, I guess, had involvement with Tiny Toons as well. Hmm. So it's like, oh, well, that helps explain a little bit of that. But yeah, it's definitely much more goofy. And like, I'm as an adult kind of like rolling my eyes at some of it and being like, boy, this is kind of dumb. This is kind of shitty. But at the same time, remembering I loved that as a kid, though. <laughs> uh, so not sure whether we want to cover story first or characters first, or if we want to do both at the same time, how we're going to go about that. Um, I mean, you can kind of do both at the same time. Like as we come across characters in the story, we can talk about them, you know, like as we try to describe and a lot of it's going to be like comparing them to how they were in the first film if they were in the first film yeah and then describing the the new ones and i wouldn't mind talking a little bit about the voice acting as we as we talk oh, about yeah. each of them as well because that's pretty important <laughs> oh yes as we as we mentioned each character we can say who played them sure works for me uh, so how about the title character, Fievel? So yeah, Fievel's back and he's going west. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I guess he's super into cowboys now, which or the West or whatever. And it's like, it's it's kind of cute actually. It, it, yeah. it feels like yeah, this is this this is believable for a kid in like the late eighteen hundreds to like kind of be like yeah, out west, let's go. You know, mm-hmm. really gung ho about it, and it gives him a little bit more like personality than the first film where like he's just he's just a little kid in the first movie like just with uh, he's just lost that's it that's his personality is lost mouse (laughs) lost baby mouse and in this one he is just a little bit more like not that he has much personality in either movie but he's got more character and it's the same voice actor too and he's grown up a little bit and it's it's cute It's it's funny how he romanticizes the the wild west and yeah for a, I don't know maybe a decade kids romanticize the wild west it is <laughs> it's kind of I don't know it's such an american stereotypical personality but for him it is really cute yeah 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 it is and, it is but he gets lost again yeah he gets for separated like you know, from his family for like 10 minutes it's fine for don't worry minutes. about it but he's wandering through the desert and he's he sees a mirage of his family oh yeah and, and i had a flashback to uh the first movie when he whispers papa oh mm. oh no yeah he was awfully cute in the first movie like cute little voice oh. And it was funny how he passed uh, Tiger because oh. he's lost too. You're like, hi, Mirage. Hi, Mirage. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I had kind of forgotten that. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. But, you know, you know, whatever. They'll, they'll, they'll meet each other later. It's fine. It's It'll fine. be okay. It's a kid's It'll movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of funny that Fievel just like keeps just stumbling across the evil plan like over and over in this movie. I know. <laughs> and he still gets away every time. and But yet nobody will listen to him. I don't know. It's. Kind of wacky, kind of silly. But it also fits just how John Cleese's character, Catterwall, is really, really trying to look like a good guy. Yeah, that's true. And not punish someone for, uh, you know, discovering his evil plan. 
Well, uh, I mean, yeah, the first time it's it's funny. He's just monologuing like back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, well, you're still talking in front of him and you're going to let him go. And I'd forgotten like, oh, yeah. And then they yeah. just make it look like he falls off the train. So they're they're not like culpable. OK, yeah. Forgot about that little little detail. So I was like, what? You're just going to let him go? What are you doing? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, sorry. Phil- Philip Glasser as uh, Fievel. Yeah, same guy. Same guy from yeah. the first movie. He, he's, he does a fine little job. He, when they pitch his voice up, it's kind of funny. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, he's fine. Got a lot of character in his voice. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned Catterwall. Yeah, sure. The him. villain. Yeah. John Cleese. Can't go wrong. It, it feels like they used his face as a model for the, the cat's face. Not just his face, but like mannerisms. Everything felt yeah. very actorly. The way he mm-hmm. moved and performed, and all of the the animation for his like gestures and everything, it was good. It's good yeah, stuff. I I don't know if it's because of the way I think about John Cleese, but it seemed like <laughs> Catterwall was in a completely different movie, animation wise. <laughs> kind <laughs> or maybe of. I just, maybe I just maybe I just put him on a pedestal a little bit. Like, I, I don't know, like, even, um, like, thinking about the scene where he's with Miss Kitty, like, the way she moved and the way he moved, it was a little bit different. I don't know. She was, she felt more like a Looney Tunes character, and he felt a little bit more, not, not rigid, but more realistic, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's something there. But yeah, his performance is delightful. I love his vocabulary. The writing for him is quite entertaining. Yes. Yeah, no, his, his, his plan is kind of kind of like on the one hand kind of silly but on the other hand yeah no i can believe this yeah exploiting laborers and then killing them basically it's like yeah that's pretty dark yeah (laughs) pretty fucked up but he does have a heart though which makes him even more complicated because he he hears tanya singing and he's captivated by her voice and then when he sees her he doesn't do anything but like lift her up and mm-hmm. bring her to Miss Kitty and say, this is our new performer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has an appreciation for the arts, for sure. And it's not like a completely pointless character trait. Uh, in the end, it actually does like play a part in the finale. Because uh, you've got Tanya jumps onto the big mousetrap and starts singing. And... Instead of them like setting off the mousetrap, he's like, "No, no, no, don't do it! You'll, 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 you'll kill her!" Yeah. Like he he wants to protect her, so that gives everybody a chance to escape. So it's it's kind of interesting that it actually comes back at the end, and it's not just this random like, "Okay, I guess, I guess this is happening" kind of moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, like when he when he's walking up to her when she's singing "Dreams to Dream" and like getting visibly choked up, like me too, man, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love the he has tears in his eyes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's a good song. Do we want to talk about Tanya or sure, Miss Sure. Kitty? Okay. Uh, let's talk about Tanya because um, you know, she's she's a character from the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like been aged up and redesigned a little bit. Uh, and that's fine cuz we can assume time has passed since yeah. the first movie, you know. Yeah, she's grown up a little bit and apparently 
on the train ride out west, she got some singing lessons. From, yeah, she, yeah. she uh, or even at the beginning, she was better than she already was yeah. uh, in the previous movie. <laughs> Still remembering how bad that was. Yeah. After The Little Mermaid, you can't have bad singing in a movie ever again. Nope. 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 It's un- not allowed. Not allowed. But yeah, no, she has her little subplot with how she wants to be a star. And it's a little bit, they they play it a little bit goofy once she actually does do it. And she's like, my audience needs me. And it's like, so like (laughs) silly. Yeah. But it's cute. It's kind of played tongue in cheek by that point. But Mm -hmm. I do legitimately like her, her little journey when she is with Miss Kitty. And she is like, I I can't do this. I'm not pretty. I don't know if I can, you know, and and just like all that. It's it's, it's cute. And with Miss Kitty, like trying to bolster her. And then her actual performance, like, I fucking love both Dreams to Dream and the, what is it, the girl you left behind? Yeah. Damn, that's a bop. (laughs) (laughs) It gets stuck in my head. I'm trying to figure out if her speaking voice and her singing voice were the same. Her speaking voice was Kathy Cavadini. Yeah. Um, A.K.A. Blossom from Powerpuff Girls. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> okay so maybe it was her singing voice also i i think so i think that was her i don't i don't see uh at least i didn't think i saw any credits for anybody else so uh yeah how, how about miss kitty i was just gonna say speaking of singing amy irving yeah also <laughs> known as jessica rabbit exactly well her singing voice anyway but yes <laughs> but uh no no i i there's something about her performance as Miss Kitty that feels very familiar to me. And I don't know if it's just because I'm thinking of Miss Kitty, like, and how familiar it all feels growing up. But she just feels like a character I've known for a very long time. She feels like either a Looney Tunes or a Tiny Tunes or a, she kind of reminds me of Slappy Squirrel from Animaniacs. Like, like she, she kind of has that same sound because of the, the, the accent and the delivery. And the, I don't know if they're all like, mimicking someone else like some other famous actress or something but it 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 felt very familiar her whole performance i thought it was a little too on the nose that she was miss kitty like they're trying to do a gun smoke reference but i mean it's a kid's movie they they gotta they gotta do the references Mm -hmm. yeah we'll get there in a minute with uh, a different character whose name is a reference but anyway yeah I love her New York accent. And yeah. I love uh, how she tells Tiger at the beginning, we'll always have the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my really bad Bronx accent. But it's yeah. okay. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt it. Hey, at least you had you had the guts to attempt it. Yeah. <laughs> like of all the places, you had the Bronx. <laughs> the Bronx? All right. <laughs> no, I liked her, uh, the little motif with her perfume, how it like is kind of yeah. anthropomorphized and flies around as a little pink cat (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it comes back later like it's actually it's relevant again yeah i like her yeah i like her personality and her strength yeah and how she really she really does miss tiger yeah took guts to leave and to find her own way exactly yeah no she's she's pretty darn cool i'd say uh well speaking of tiger um, yeah tiger donda louise tiger's back (laughs) Yep. This is the tiger I remember. Because, like, when when I I think I remember talking about this when we reviewed the first movie, as I was like, I I don't really think of him of that tiger being tiger. I think of this this crazy slapstick tiger in this movie. 
um, with like the, the sequence of him being chased by all the dogs in New York um, or the sequence of him like learning to become a dog. Like, like I, that's the tiger it, that's familiar to me. So it, it was kind of funny to see it all again and just sort of be like, yep, here he is. It's pretty stupid, but I like it. <laughs> he had to get introduced first, and then he had to become everyone's favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. His sequences were the ones where I laughed the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I thought my favorite part was when he was being chased by the dogs, and he does this pinball around yes. the, the cages. <laughs> and all the and doors then- open. <laughs> He finally lands and the doors open in unison. The timing of that is, it, it felt, actually that whole sequence felt very Emperor's New Groove, which always felt very Looney Tunes oh, to me. Yeah. So it, it all, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very slapstick, very funny, very silly. It's fun. <laughs> so the part where I actually really did lose it, <laughs> um, he's being trained Yep. By by Wiley. And he has to learn how to walk like a dog. So Wiley says, okay, show me how you walk. And he's walking around with these little squeak noises. Yep. I don't know why. It just... Trust me. As a five-year-old or whatever I was watching this, that was like my absolute favorite shit ever. And I, I wrote that down too. Like you know, the little squeaky feet the first time. And then the second time when he sucks in his paunch and he gets like the fart noise feet. And it's just like... Yep, that that killed me. That killed little baby me. <laughs> and I was grinning again as an adult. <laughs> uh, squeaky toy noises are always fun, no matter what. <laughs> yep. However, Tiger is also a part of a sequence that is my absolute least favorite part of the movie. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's let's get let's, that out of let's the way. Let's get that out of the way. Let's, let's, uh, yeah. Let's. Uh... Hey, guess what? There's some leftover racism from the 80s. The 80s called, they want the racism back. Please, can it take it? We don't want it in the 90s. Please. (sighs) Unfortunately, it continues into the 90s. Yeah, and you know, romanticizing the Wild West is pretty racist towards Native Americans anyway. It sure is. So I'm not surprised. I just, it's still upsetting. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. No. I'm very disappointed Um, in you. (laughs) Very, very disappointed in the movie for this. Like, you'd think they'd know better by now, like, considering, but instead we get this, like, ridiculous cannibalism scene and, like, all the stereotypes rolled up into one from all sorts of different, like, different tribal, like, like characteristics I was noticing, like, like that's a Hopi necklace and that's a, a Plains Indian and a headdress. And that's a different, it was just all over the fucking place and just stupid. And then of course the, the like, Oh no, they, they, they mistake him for a God. <laughs> that bullshit. I'm so tired of that shit. And before that they're, it, it seems like they're about to eat them. So it's always That's like, what I was saying. They had cannibalism. Yeah, cannibalism it's there. always, they're going to eat me or they're going to sacrifice me. It's like never, yep. never a good thing in, yep. in media. It's just ridiculous. It's, we're, we're tired of this shit. Stop. Stop it. And yeah. I, I, I know we do eventually, you know, like this is not a super common thing you see nowadays. But boy, howdy, was it common uh, back when this was released. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very excited to see this go out the door and not see this shit anymore. That'd be, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Yeah, it's a shame that Tiger has to get rolled up into that because otherwise I like Tiger. Yeah. Well, you mentioned 
Wiley. Yeah. Since that's the training uh, sequence we were talking about. But yes, Wiley Burp, which is like the most undignified name ever. Um, I've been trying to do Wiley Burp. Yeah. It's just... Uh, I mean, I, I knew about Wiley Burp before I knew who the hell Wyatt Earp was as a child. Yeah. That's for sure. So it's like, God damn it. They taught me history before I even knew what history <laughs> was. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of gross how he's all burpy and farty, but you know, he is an old dog an and old that dog. tends to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fine. And he's forgiven. He's played by good old James Stewart. And this was his last movie his role. Last role was last Wiley role. Burp. And that, <laughs> even if you don't know that going in, you can hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. And that just makes the endings so... Oh my god. <laughs> so emotional. Uh, did, 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 so you got emotional. I, I cried. Like, mm-hmm. I just legit started just crying. Because, like, his, his last lines... And it, I mean, especially knowing that this yeah. was his last role, I, I wrote it all down because I was just like, I, I gotta, I gotta. But yeah, okay. he's just like, just just remember, Fievel, one man's sunset is another man's dawn. I don't know what's out there beyond those hills. And that, that's the part where I start crying <laughs> because it's like, oh, no, death metaphor. And what's the rest? But if you ride yonder, head up, eyes steady, heart open, I think one day you'll find you're the hero that you've been looking for. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, definitely the one man's sunset, another is another man's dawn, and I don't know what's yeah. out there beyond those hill part. Like that just killed me. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I think the only other time I got remotely emotional was during Dreams to Dream, just because I love oh. that song. But yeah, yeah, that ending. No, no, good old Jimmy Stewart. You know, for for as old as he was at this point, and as for as tired as he sounds in during this performance it's like he still brings it man yeah yeah, yeah he does. especially yeah. when he's training yeah yeah he gets a little type. worked up yeah. <laughs> it's great i love his like frustration too he's like oh boy <laughs> it's that's 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 also a very memorable scene that whole sequence with him like no 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 like telling him to growl and he's like (laughs) (laughs) rolling around in the (laughs) the mine cart like so so memorable Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean obviously we have uh fievel's family which same actors as well there uh not much difference not really much to say about them no but i did notice uh the baby disappears again god damn it (laughs) God damn baby. <laughs> Never mind Fievel getting lost. What happens to the baby? Is the baby getting into awesome adventures in the meantime? <laughs> Ooh, I smell a spinoff. Or did the spider eater? Oh, the spider eater. <laughs> I think this family has trouble, you know, keeping track of their kids. <laughs> yeah, they really do. It's pretty funny. Um, oh, speaking of the spider, T.R. Chula. Chula. Yeah. You know who plays him, right? Eric pointed out it was John Lovitz, and I was like, "What?" And then yep. I got on the internet, and I had to like look up videos of the spider just to yep. laugh at John Lovitz doing that in a sound booth. It's so funny because, like, my brain would first of all like radio. It's radio, but 
<laughs> Very little toaster. But yeah, 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 it's John Lovitz and doing that ridiculous Chula voice. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Does does this spider scare you? I knew this was going to be the question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, for most of the movie, no, doesn't bother me at all. It's, okay. it, it's way too cartoony. But there's one moment where it got me. Is it the itsy bitsy spider part? No, that part's fine. Oh. That part was always okay. funny as a kid because he immediately is like, I'm in pain. Like right after that. Pain. But, I love that. that was, again, this is all the, like the, those little parts that you're like, I love that. I'm like, yep, I love that too as a kid. Like, it's like, <laughs> but no, no, no. The one part is when Fievel has just found out about the plan on the train and is running back to the other car. Mm-hmm. And Catterwall has just sent Chula after him to knock him off the train. And like Fievel's running on top of like this, connecting cable thing chula's running underneath it and his legs are all going and i was just like nope nope that that looks that looks too much like an actual tarantula right there because it's it's a little bit like further away and it's a little more silhouetted so you'd see less of like the cartooniness yeah that that part got me going like ah ah, no (laughs) but otherwise no he's i i I think i actually liked that character as a kid Mm. But that was also before I think I was actually scared of spiders. <laughs> I can see how that would scare anybody. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. in the dark and, you know, he's going to mm-hmm. kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like it's 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 one of the more intense parts, him falling off the train, I'd say. We, we really went on a tangent about characters and I think we've run out of them. We could go into the story or just tell people to watch it because they'll like it. <laughs> I mean, will they? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's really a pretty simple story. Like, uh, Catterwall <laughs> wants to exploit the mice labor and then eat them all. So he lures them all out west by, like, setting up staged cat attacks in New York and then lures them out west to build his little paradise in, what is this, Green River, I think. Just manipulates everything and uh, they get stopped. And... The cats get sent away. The mice live happily ever after. It's really not. <laughs> there's not a whole lot to it. There's a lot of padded filler nonsense happening. Like, yeah, Fievel being lost at all is basically filler. <laughs> Tiger being there at all is kind of filler, except for the very end when he actually gets called in to be the uh, the replacement for for Wiley Burt, basically as his successor. Yeah, but um. And it, it feels like very uh, contrived setup for that with Miss Kitty being like, you know, I wish I wish I, I I think the cat I really want is one who's actually like a dog. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean, Miss Kitty? Like, what are you asking for? And it's just it's just such clearly a setup for him to act like a dog later and her to be like, ooh. But yeah. Well, what she's asking for is uh, someone who's basically a, a man who's a bit more gruff. I think because um, Tiger is all very sensitive. I mean, yeah, that's what I, that's what I read it as. It's it's yeah. It just seemed weird to like specifically be like we're like a dog when it's like we don't really have any precedent for that in this yeah. film universe for like what does it mean to be a dog? I think it's I think it's a joke for adults. Mm. I think it's just lazy setup for later. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I'm not going to say that like the story or the the writing or the pacing is like fantastic for this movie because it's not. It's really not. It's it's a lot of fairly juvenile stuff in it. But again, I cannot ignore the fact that as a four slash five year old, I ate the shit up. 
Oh and yeah, this it. movie was made for you. It so. was made for me <laughs> at that age. And, yeah, and we're so used to uh, the pacing of Bluth films being different. And since this technically is not a Bluth film, it's exactly. it's going to be different. Yeah, yeah, it does feel very, very different. And and it's not to say that it's not enjoyable because it, it, I I think it's it's super still is despite like kind of dumb crap that happens it's like no it's still very enjoyable if we could just cut out all the native american stuff that'd be awesome except i will say i i still very much enjoy the dancing skeleton stuff like it's it's that 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 stuff was very goofy but the the whole like with it rising up and then him turning around and it snaps back down and then the back and forth back and forth back and forth and then it just starts dancing putting on the ritz (laughs) it's like what i love it but what (laughs) There's definitely a few things there where it's just like, I love that, but what the fuck? <laughs> um, like the lazy eye thing. Like, God damn, that's that's one of the most memorable things ever. It's like the lazy eye. And yeah, the that weirded me out. Bonkers shit that happens with the actual, <laughs> what they do with that. Their eyes just bouncing all over the place. <sighs> so this is a great time to segue into animation because those were already talked about it, but yeah. Well, a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I will say there's there's a lot of impressive stuff that happens. Uh, there's a lot of camera movements in this. It reminded me a lot, actually, of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Beauty and the Beast, for that matter, with like all the, the rotating camera stuff that happens. Yeah. And crane shots. Yeah, I wrote down that the uh, the showdown was cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, a lot of use of light and shadow. Um, in a lot of places, but then in other places where it just kind of doesn't happen, which felt very uneven and similar to the way that DuckTales was done, where like mm-hmm. some of that looked really good and then some of it was just kind of like, the fuck? <laughs> but yeah. I think overall, I mean, the animation was better for this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like, like uh, people had more faith in animated movies and what they could do. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I must say, uh, regarding the animation, there is a famous hidden, not so hidden, penis. Yeah, we looked it up. It. Yeah, the the thing about it though is just like, it's it's kind of blatant. It's only there for one frame, but having known what to look for since I I, I knew about it going into this and watching it again. I could see exactly when it pops up on screen. <laughs> I was oh, like, are you kidding me? It's just right there, right next to her mouth, too. Come on. <laughs> That's so tasteless. The version we watched what had been edited, so we didn't get to see it. it oh, really? see pictures online. Yeah. Which one did you, where did you watch? I, I don't know. Some kind of remastered DVD release or something. Oh, or was it? Wow. I don't know. It was edited. Okay. Yeah, no, my time was just on Amazon. It's not edited. Hmm. It was just right there, big old little penis doodle while she's singing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I learned that this movie used xerography, which was kind sure of a surprise. Did. I yeah, can't recall yeah. where that, where I would have seen that. Um, just everywhere? I mean, this was like while we were, it was transitioning to digital stuff. So this probably would have been one of the very last uh, xerography films before every, everybody was going more digital. Yeah. Because Disney had just made that transition. I did see some computer animation at the end, specifically. That's the only part. Yeah. The only part was right there at the end, that 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 shot where it kind of goes, that the camera moves around behind them, and we look at the, the sunset 
<laughs> yeah. It's a nice shot, though. Um, no, no, there's definitely plenty of good animation and uh, some fun, surprising drawn cameos, actually. Like, we oh, see... Yeah, like- Bridget and Tony? Exactly. And their baby. Yeah. <laughs> they have a baby now. And and for that matter, a few of the um, like various ethnic stereotyped ma- mice oh, from yeah. the first movie, like it's some of them, they, they look slightly redesigned or slightly simplified in some cases, but there were some kind of vaguely familiar, like, I think we saw them in the first movie kind of mm-hmm. moments, which, you know, it's actually kind of a nice touch that they did that, considering. But yeah, definitely more of a cartoony Looney Tunesy exaggerated style in certain ways and places in this movie. Yeah. Whereas uh, the first one, the Bluth style is much more like there's like this fluidity that happens with with motions and it's like it's not exaggerated in the same way and it's less snappy. It's more like I don't know. Like I think of Looney Tunes being like snap from here to here, ah, blah, 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 kind of fast like that. Whereas Bluth is a little bit more like a rounded movement, if that makes any sense. I'm having trouble describing that. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense in my brain, damn it. Yeah. All right. That's, that's <laughs> good enough. Uh, yeah, good enough. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would like to talk about music. Yeah. Since let's we've, do we've that. mentioned a little bit of it. A little bit. James Horner again, which is, again, you know, impressive. Like, here we go with this, like, kind of crappy sequel and we get here we go with james horner again we get a lot of the same music from the first movie i like yeah. the same themes yep we also get uh some rawhide some yes. what it was it called aaron copeland well not actually <laughs> it's just a very 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 heavy plagiarized version of yeah oh, no. it's like a, a variation but i think i like the variation better <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> i'm just tired of hearing the same songs over and over you know I guess. I don't know. The the, the, the plagiarism for the, the Copeland stuff always kind of like rubs me the wrong way because it's like, come on, James Horner. Like, we all know what you're doing. <laughs> we know what you're doing. But, um, well, the songs, uh, the only thing I like about the the Out West song that they're all singing on the train is the, the way the way out west, way out west sort of thing, like the, the, the movement of the train kind of yeah. sets it off and then ends it. It's pretty good. Obviously, Dreams to Dream. We already talked about that. That I also remember pointing out in the first movie is a theme that's just used. It's just a it's a it's an instrumental theme in the first movie that gets that shows up in like just like one or two places, and then it was adapted into an actual song for the sequel, which is really cool. What else? Uh, I find it really cool that uh, Tanya can do that slow, beautiful song, and then also do a fast-paced uh, little jaunt. Yeah, no little ditty. Her song, her singing's quite good. And uh, yeah, The Girl You Left Behind, again, that's a very, very catchy song. <laughs> yeah, and she starts it without any warning, too. <laughs> it starts slow. Yeah, she does that, the thing where she sings the really high note. It doesn't even feel like the same song. And I'm pretty sure on the soundtrack, you don't get that part. I think it just starts with the the actual proper song. But she sure got everybody's attention. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, just... A lot of Western-sounding fun stuff. Certainly if I'm in the mood for listening to some Western sort of sounding music, if I'm like writing or something, I'll pop on the soundtrack. It's not bad. It's, it's James Horner, after all. 
Dreams to Dream was nominated for a Golden Globe. Yes. According to Wikipedia. Yeah, I believe it did not actually get nominated for an Oscar, though, though it was considered. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, it was quite good, but I feel like it was almost too short. It's a very short song. I thought it was just right. <laughs> I, I also thought it was really strange that she keeps singing when she's picked up. Yeah, how does she not notice? <laughs> and Catterwall, like, like, just brings her in and talks over her singing. Yeah. How the fuck does she not notice? She's just really into the music, I guess. Yeah. She's just so into it. It's like her eyes are closed and everything. She's dancing with his hand, which is like nice visually, but weird when you actually think about. <laughs> like she's just, how do you not notice, girl? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, music's yeah. good. Um, I I wrote down a, a character that we didn't talk about. Oh. He's a He's a very secondary character, but they did a uh, Doctor Strange love reference with that. I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, that scientist or engineer yeah. who had German accent. <laughs> yeah, his his character design was totally modeled off of that guy. Yeah, and like the the energy he brought with that the accent and the delivery, I was like that that has to be a Strange Love reference, yeah. right? Like that's that's basically what I wrote down. We did watch that recently, so I think it's fairly fresh. Yeah, it's really funny how how many adult movies are referenced in kids movies that yeah. we really didn't know about when we were kids because we it's right. just part of our our culture. Yep, exactly, exactly. Like tons, tons of stuff, and not just that, but like as I mentioned, with I didn't know who Wyatt Earp was, but I knew who Wiley Burp was. So it's like even actual like history yeah. <laughs> is being referenced as a kid you don't necessarily know that if you're like four or five years old why the hell would you know who Wyatt Earp is I don't know <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I forgot about that character until you mentioned that <laughs> I don't know who did that voice but uh good good job good job it's funny <laughs> it was quite funny what else to talk about uh just some notes to point out the setting that looked like it was in monument valley it did look like that didn't it yeah there is a place called green springs near monument valley so i guess i, I guess green that's river could be green springs green river. yeah yeah it, it looks very arizona utah that mm-hmm. that like, kind of corner where all the the states meet and i know we talked about uh historical accuracy in an american tale yeah uh looks like <laughs> uh Spielberg maybe didn't do his research because there were some American songs sung that weren't actually, you know, a thing at that oh. time period. I think I didn't look this up, but the thing I think that got me was they kept talking about mouse burgers, and I'm like, were burgers a thing in 1890? They were, but they weren't popular. Okay, good. Thank you for confirming that. Because that that kept bothering me every time they said <laughs> it. I was like, are we sure? <laughs> We're going with that? Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, when you've got the gunfight is them using slingshots. I mean, are we really expecting a whole lot of accuracy? <laughs> it's definitely more cartoony movie. But they still got the vibe of like a Western, that, that kind of romanticized, idealized Western kind of feel. So at least they did that the way they seemed to set out to do it. You know what? I just looked up hamburgers and they were just becoming popular in this time period. They were. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe this is just 
maybe it's perfect, like perfect Mouse sign of the times. Burgers. Mouse burgers. It's the fresh new thing. You heard of burgers? Well, now we've got mouse burgers. If I may quote the movie, let the saliva flow. Gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any any notes? I'll see if I have any final thoughts. Um, I have a note about John Cleese, and then I'm looking through my other notes. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Oh, okay. So two things. One is the John Cleese thing, which is uh, he turned down Cogsworth to do this. Yeah, but I think it was that was a good choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I agree with that. It's just kind of funny to me, considering they came out the same day, and yeah, we know what history did. And then the other thing was just a note I wrote down. I was like, why doesn't Tanya know Miss Kitty? Because earlier, you know, we've established that Tiger and Miss Kitty are an item to the extent that Fievel in his note to Tiger mentions her as like i just assumed you were with miss kitty or something like that i was like doesn't the whole family knows tiger so wouldn't tanya know through tiger who miss kitty is she's acting like she has no idea who the hell she is later in the movie so i don't know that part kind of like adult logic crept in and i was like wait well maybe maybe tiger introduced miss kitty to fievel but not to the rest of the family that's the only possibility i think because that that, that's all we can that's it that's all we have i think that's all i've really got though same here oh wait nope one 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 thing i wrote down uh a a fantastic I, i loved all of john cleese's dialogue and all the times when he's like says something and then corrects himself because he's like giving up the 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 plot the feastival part yeah <laughs> feastival feastival festival <laughs> like the delivery there is so good it's delightful he he is a fun character and that is all i have to say yay <laughs> all right well i guess that's it so what do we have next time beffers next time is fern gully <laughs> oh shouldn't have taken a drink when you said that Almost made me spit take just <laughs> hearing like, Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> and we have oh. another great villain who we will talk about later. Another great villain in a somewhat you know what? I won't editorialize this. We'll we'll no. talk about the movie when we get to it. Alrighty. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. You said the word y'all. Don't you mean y'all? Y'all. <laughs> <laughs>